Have you ever been told that to make something illegal, you need to not focus on making it illegal? We heard that. It was a little strange. Come debrief with us. Hey, I'm Maggie, your host, and I'm joined here by Ethan and Seth, and we're debriefing pro-life outreach. Seth, can you give us an outreach highlight? Sure. Okay. This one's kind of funny. So we were at, I believe, Youngstown State, and I was talking to someone who was protesting our outreach, and she just turned to me and said, have you ever heard of My Body, My Choice? <laughs> Which is kind of a funny thing to say, right? Like, surely we've never heard of that, right? <laughs> but I was saying, yeah, okay, but you know, it's not your body. And she said, okay, but it's not my baby. And I said, okay, that's actually a good point, right? That should be the slogan, not my baby not my choice, right? Do you want to at least be be honest about what we're talking about? But then she made a really uh, surprisingly honest statement where she said, you know, if it were my baby, it's going to die. And I thought that's kind of an important admission she made that at least she's agreeing, hey, it is a baby. And I'll be honest with you, if I have a baby, I'm going to kill it, which I think is pretty shocking to a lot of people who assume that pro-choice people are, you know, not willing to admit it. But she admitted it's a baby and I'm going to kill it if, if, uh, if I have one. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that's more common nowadays that people are just admitting the truth? Yeah, I do think it is. I mean, it seems to me that not only have we seen more comfortability with infanticide, which is really shocking to a lot of people, but I think a lot of more consistency or um, with the pro-choice view that, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a baby or not. I'm going to kill it regardless. Yeah, Yeah. Mm, that's really sad. Um, Well, thanks for that. This clip that we're going to talk about today, I'm not sure whether, well, yeah, I'll just be real with you. Uh, We already recorded an episode with this clip and it was kind of not that great. So didn't we're go well. redoing it, but it's a good clip. We could say our producer lost it, but that would be a lie. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to do another episode with this. This was, by the time you're listening to this, we will have had our justice ride of 2023, mm-hmm. but this was from our justice ride in 2022 when Ethan was a little My baby. alma mater. Yes. Starting out. <laughs> That also be fun to look back. It was your first justice ride with us, Maggie. Yes, that's true. (laughs) Good times. All right, uh, let's listen to the clip. Have to recognize that our opinions as individuals they don't matter as much as we think they do. That society as a whole exists as such that it does. This is legal, whether you like it or not. What I am saying is, how do we deal with that reality? And the truth of the matter is, if you want to save more lives, I think keep it legal and t- and have conversations and offer people who are scared and don't know how to handle this fact of their situation, give them alternatives. If you make it illegal, then you make it unsafe to talk about. They no longer have alternatives. Like, it, I have to divorce what I morally and ethically believe from the fact, the fa- like, fact of the matter that I, I live in the environment I do. And because I live in the environment I do, the way that I can make the most impactful, meaningful change is by not actually making the thing that I think is problematic illegal. Because by doing so, I actually jeopardize my own goal. Wow. Interesting, right? So that guy said a lot of interesting things. He had a few interesting Why are you laughing, Ethan? (laughs) Well, yeah, one, because he said a lot of interesting things. And two, because this was a conversation that I initially started with this guy and then um i was rescued by esther who used to work at created equal so you see part of the debrief yes yeah and so i hearing all of this brings back a lot of memories do you remember where you were Uh, i don't remember one of the campuses in florida one of the campuses in florida i probably couldn't tell you which one so that's interesting like looking back on your past experience do you know like can you explain how you've grown since then um, shall I list the ways alphabetically or important? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, there's a lot as far as 
just outreach goes, because that's what we discussed on the debrief, that conversation, there were a lot of things that happened in that conversation where tactically I had no idea how to respond to them. One, because he was talking about things that I just didn't know about. He was naming statistics, facts mm. that I had no familiarity with. Now I have familiarity with those. And also this was a good ex example of for me, I didn't know it at the time and didn't know how to handle it of when someone steamrolls you mm -hmm. with basically, you know, facts and logic, putting those in quotes. And yeah, because he acted really smart, didn't he? Yes. And so, you know, little newbie Ethan didn't oh, how cute. know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but I did not understand when that was happening. I didn't know how to respond to that because in my mind, I was like, oh, he's bringing up good objections that I need to answer and I can't. When looking back, I realized, no, a lot of that was word salad. On that note, Maggie, I'm sorry, I want to derail you again. We're just, I guess this is why we re-record because we derailed you too much the first time, right? <laughs> Do it again. But um, Ethan, you came from a you know strong pro-life stock family. You're not someone who stumbled off the street into the justice ride. Yeah. So you knew why abortion was wrong. Right. And yet still you maybe had some tactical gaps, not because of your parents' lack of training, but because, I mean, why is that? There were still things to learn. Most people think, you know, from a family like you came from, you'd already know everything, but mm. there was still something to be learned. Oh, yes, Definitely. Coming from a family who is pro-life doesn't guarantee. I, I think the way I like to put it is we learn by experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, You don't simply learn in a classroom. You can learn a lot of principles in the classroom, which you apply to the real world and how you think. But the most you are going to learn the most from experience and then debrief like we do right. here by, you know, going to people who know more than you, whether that's your family, other coworkers like I'm able to do. I'm able to do both. And asking them, okay, have you ever dealt with this? Because you're not going to learn all of the answers in the workspace or in the classroom. It's just not going to happen. You're going to make blunders. You're going to run into stuff that you've never run into before. Yeah, and even like, I mean, your parents, I know your dad does outreach, right, and stuff. Yeah. So, but still, every conversation every day is different. So you right. will encounter new new categories of objections or like you said, new people like steamrollers and such. Yep. That, so it's just you need more and more experience. We're all still growing. I mean, I look, yeah. I look back at over a decade ago when I started doing this kind of work and I've certainly changed a lot. Mm -hmm. I guess the same is true for you. And Isaac, if he had a microphone would agree as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're all growing. Yeah, definitely. So. And I totally agree. Of course, the on the street outreach is what makes the biggest difference. Mm -hmm. I mean, you need that classroom training to know how to answer these things. Initially, yeah. I think Seth, but yeah. it lays the foundation. Yeah. Just like how I have been so nervous when I started hosting here mm -hmm. the actual just doing it is what helps like i'm sure significantly yeah. more comfortable now than i was at the beginning and i think sometimes we just because it's it is so i don't know some people really enjoy learning right we can mm -hmm. spend so much time just loving the debate and learning about abortion without yeah. really talking to actual people and that's not going to help any babies today right yeah. i mean so i'm not saying there's not you can bring glory to god by learning things that is still a good thing but if you want to really save babies just learning about it is not going to do it you have to go do something yeah right? you should go put those things into action yeah. mm -hmm. and also one last thing concerning this whole topic uh an encouragement to people one of the other reasons that i was not great at outreach one was because of a lack of experience but two was also because I did not like doing outreach previously <laughs> oh. to coming on the justice ride. There it is. I don't know what happened on the justice ride. Maybe it's because I finally got old enough to really feel convicted to start doing outreach. But before then, it was something that I always detested. My dad would take me out, and now I'm thankful that he did. But I always hated it. I was like, why are we doing this? This is so embarrassing, scary. You know, I, I don't like all these people that we're having to talk to. And so I didn't enjoy outreach. But now... 
God flipped a switch or something like that. And it's like, okay, I can do this. Mm. You may not end up doing what we do full time. It's not for everybody, but I would encourage everyone to go out there and do outreach at least once. Have a conversation with a coworker, a friend. You know, if you come out with us to a college campus, awesome. But just do it once, you know, every once in a while. You know, don't don't just say, oh, that's not for me. I can never do it. It's like, mm. well, just try it once. So you'll never know what happens. Hmm. Yeah. Well, well okay. We need to get into back on track. Sorry. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Otherwise, we're recording again. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I just have one really small question again. When you would go out for outreach with your dad, what kind of outreach was it? Pro-life, evangel- like gospel evangelism. Okay. Like, was it on college campuses or what? No, we would mainly go to downtown. Okay. Downtown cool. areas. Abortion mills. Oh, I love that. I mean, I love that you did that. Obviously. Okay. So the first thing that I've written down here is his quote, our opinions don't matter as Mm. much as we think they do. Actually true. Amen. Agree with that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I I, I do think it's important. I mean, I think you're probably explaining Maggie what he meant in context, right? Because on the surface, I actually agree with that, right? So Mm -hmm. your opinion of when life begins matters far less than when life actually does begin, right? That's not what he meant here. So that's why I think yay and amen. But explain Maggie more. What did he mean by that? Or do you know what he meant by that? Maybe Ethan knows. Yeah. Well, Ethan, why don't you give what you think he meant? So what he's saying is that your opinions don't matter as much as you think they do. Mm -hmm. He was trying to say that the idea that whether that uh, that my opinion, again, putting that in quotes, that abortion is wrong and murder, that that opinion doesn't matter as much as I say it should or I think it does because the status quo is that abortion is fine and acceptable. So he was saying you shouldn't consider yourself to be your opinion to be any better than anyone else's. Yeah. So I he's think. treating our, our, what we're saying as just like a, an opinion. That's just right. kind of not that important, I guess. Cause um, doesn't he say then it's legal to so deal with it after that? Yeah. yeah. Whereas we're saying it's an actual moral wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very serious. So why, why is there this disconnect between he's saying it's just an opinion that doesn't matter that much. We're saying it really matters. Well, I think doesn't he? So he's putting abortion in a unique category, right? So yeah. I don't think he would say the same about racism or yeah. the Holocaust or you know any number of evils, right? He would say, yeah, our opinion really does matter, and we have made these things, uh, we have criminalized them because we know they are wrong, and so it, he recognizes it's not mere opinion; it's reality. These things really are brutal acts, and I think with abortion, he just sees it as somehow a unique category. Of maybe Ethan thinks. And again, in the conversation Ethan explained to me, maybe, but it seemed almost that he was suggesting maybe even he agreed with you abortion is wrong hypothetically, but he's not going so far as to say it's an actual real crime um, to the same level of these other evils that we know are wrong and should be banned. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I think you're right on the money. So I think there's just a disconnect there, right? So he's, he's setting abortion a separate category. And I think that Ethan's job and all of our jobs is to try to explain, connect the dots of why, how is abortion different, right? You're taking some group of humans. You're saying that something about them makes them non-human, non-persons, and killing them wholesale. How is that permissible in this category, but it's wrong when you're talking about Jewish people or black people or fill-in-the-blank people, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's, like, two things of opposition kind of in this guy's mind because, like you said, it's – a kind of a hypothetical hypothetically Mm -hmm. he agrees that abortion is Mm -hmm. wrong but i think there's two things at opposition and those would be like the need to illegalize make it illegal to kill pre-born people versus the reality of the death rate that is of both babies and the mothers who would die from dangerous back alley abortions Mm -hmm. so he i think he's saying that like 
of course, like, yeah, we want to make it illegal to do this because it is wrong to kill these small people. But if we do that, it's actually going to cause more deaths overall. So he doesn't see like a way to no good path forward. Yeah. I think you're making a good point, Maggie, because when he ta- when he said that, you know, to make it illegal makes it unsafe to talk about it. You know, my initial mm-hmm. thought, I have to be honest, in my mind being uncharitable is kind of to laugh like that's a silly idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's always safe to talk about. But I think you're honest, you're, you're, you're being giving the most charitable explanation of what he really meant, which is if we make it illegal, it's going to be dangerous for women to try to pursue abortion, which is true. I mean, anytime you make something illegal, it makes it dangerous to pursue it. It is dangerous for me to go rob a bank right now. It's dangerous for me to do all kinds of things because... Because not only might I get hurt in the process, but the law will come after me, right? And I have to do it surreptitiously and secretly and all that stuff. So I think that's what he's saying, right? It's going to be dangerous for women to do. So I think that is important for us to have a response. And Ethan, you know, coming a year now from this, what do you say to people when they say, you know, you're going to make abortion illegal by just sending us backward to the back alley, 1950s, women dying by the hundreds of thousands every year? You know, what do you say to that? Well, first off, the hundreds of thousands statistic is wrong. We know those numbers were inflated on purpose. And secondly, the idea that making abortion illegal is going to make it more dangerous for women and more unsafe. It's like, well, shouldn't killing another human being be difficult, dangerous, and unsafe to do? Mm-hmm. I think those should be, those are things that you want to use those to discourage people from this quote unquote choice. So I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with things like murder, things like rape, things like racism being difficult uh, or discouraged by the law for people to do. That's such a good point. You know, I, I, I do find it so interesting to clarify what you first said with people that these statistics are not real. Yeah. I don't find a lot of people convinced by that, right? Because um, <laughs> uh, just for whatever reason, they don't, numbers only matter when they're, I think, on your narrative, your yes. side, right? Yep. But what you said is very important. Bernard Nathanson, uh, we all know that he was the founder of NARAL, which is clearly still today a pro-abortion group that is leading the charge. Yep. And he admitted in his a book, Aborting America, that they said 10, 20,000 every year. And he said, honestly, we knew it was fake. We inflated the numbers for good purposes, right? So fake yeah. numbers, they thought pursuing a noble goal of making mm-hmm. abortion legal. And you have Mary Calderon, medical director of Planned Parenthood in the 1960s in the American Journal of Medicine, I believe it was, she said 90% of abortions in America in the 1960s, before Roe v. Wade, are being done by doctors in good standing in their communities, people who were safe, knew what they were doing, not those dangerous men with dirty coat hangers and back alleys, right? So we know clearly the numbers are fake. Mm -hmm. The U.S. Bureau of Vital Stats, I think, said 37 women died in 1972 by illegal abortions. That's 37 tragedies, but it's not 20,000, 100,000, right? So that's important to clarify because we have to have truth. But I think your second point was probably the most important one, which is that, yes, when it, when a law makes it dangerous to do evil acts, that is good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We can make it safe for men to rape women by giving them a hotel room and security and stuff and providing the women for them. But that is disgusting, yeah. right? Yeah. You don't do that. Yeah. Okay. So you know what I find interesting and kind of odd is that when, when people tell us that you know if it's illegal – more women will die by dangerous abortions. I think, wouldn't that, if it's so commonly known that abortions will be more dangerous, wouldn't that dissuade more women from trying to get them? Well, I think that's what we find with every other law we pass is it dissuades people from doing that thing. People are always going to try and find a workaround. You'll have those few individuals who so badly want this evil thing that they will do anything, even risk their own life, to get it. But the majority of people are selfish. 
and they want to do things that are in their own interest. And so when they see, I could do this thing, but it's illegal, the government, you know, for an abortionist, it's like, okay, there's a lot of money in abortion, but the government is going to, the government is going to come after me. You know, I'm going to be blacklisted in my neighborhood. There are all these consequences because of that. And so I think that someone, a, a reasonable person who is selfish and self-centered and has their own interests at heart is going to say, you know, it's not worth the risk. Yeah, so well, I well said, Ethan. I mean, I think if we're honest, there is a fortune in abortion, right? We all know that. Mm -hmm. And so I think what you said is super important, though, because um, we have to clarify all these things and understand that when you, this is, I think, the biggest confusion in the wake of Dobbs, right? Mm -hmm. People are asking, why is abortion not being banned in these states where we actually can ban it now? We do not, we cannot overstate the toll on a country's moral fabric when you give a legalized crime for five decades, right? Yeah. And you have our generations, millennials and Gen Xers, I'm sorry, Xers, sorry, Gen Zers sorry, <laughs> coming up who are in many ways the most self-centered generations we've ever had, right? So we cannot overestimate or overstate how how shockingly twisted our hearts are today. And that's why we see this playing out as it has. And a final point, and then Maggie, I'm sorry, I'll finally throw it back to you, but to clarify what you're saying again with, there are so many facts underwriting what you just said, and that is the law is a teacher, as you said, right? Yeah. The law does dissuade. We know before Roe versus Wade, making abortion legal throughout the whole country, most conservative estimates say there are maybe 80,000 abortions every year in America, illegal abortions or all abortions. And then uh, most liberal estimates say about 200,000 in the prior to Roe versus Wade. Within seven years of legalizing abortion throughout America, that number spiked from 200,000, the most liberal estimate, to 1.5 million people yeah. follow the law. And the, the name you can look up for anyone listening is Thomas Hilgers, is, um, the man uh, who was involved with that study. And it's clearly the law will lead people. So you're right. It's a teacher. And, we, mm -hmm. and as people are, the, what has taught people is not only it, you can do it, but it has changed their hearts and taught them to think a certain way, which is that your children are at your disposal. You can plan them when you want to and get rid of them if you have them and it's not part of your plan. That's what we have today playing out. Yeah. Treating them as a commodity. And so back to this guy, you have him saying, you know, we have to divorce what we ethically and morally believe because if we don't, we're going to jeopardize our goal. I, I found that really a twisty way of thinking. Is he... Acting like pro-lifers are just basically refusing to accept the reality of, like, our environment. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. I think I think you're kind of on to something. Maybe it's a jab as far as, like, you just won't accept the present reality of our situation and do what's best to solve it. You're still trying to change. Live in the past. L live okay. in the past. You know, make abortion illegal when you really, you just need to accept what's going on and set aside your antiquated morals and ideals and sort of figure out how to deal with this with a strategy that works according to the present laws that there are. I want to ask him if that's what he ethically believes, that we have to divorce our views. Yeah. And why is he not divorcing his views? Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. right. It's impossible to divorce your views from any effort you're doing. Yeah. I think it's kind of a morally relativistic type idea that we had our views, but they're no longer... They're no longer correct, and his view is the correct idea that things change when really there's one correct way to address this problem. You know, it's wrong to murder innocent human beings. That is, should be ours, our standard. We shouldn't accept that. Yeah, and so maybe society will be slow in moving toward 
living consistently with that standard because right. let's say we ban abortion, that's good. There's still a lot of babies dying by an ethical IVF practices that have yeah. to be re- uh, sorted out. And a lot of other things we have to do, uh, reforming our adoption, foster care to make it more dignifying of these human lives. So it's yeah. a hard, long march to really live consistently with that standard and culture. But you don't change the standard, right? Yeah. You keep working toward more consistently reshaping culture to reflect that. Mm-hmm. I think we're about running out of time, but just one more thing I want to talk about is he is acting like, and by what he said, you could tell he thought that stigma around abortion is a bad thing Mm. and will make it more unsafe for women. I actually think that it's a great thing to have stigma around abortion. Amen. Um, Yeah. What do y'all think about that? Well, shouldn't the Holocaust be stigmatized, right? Shouldn't yeah. Yeah. Killing people, your neighbors in Rwanda with machetes, walking to their huts and wherever the houses they live in and slashing them down, shouldn't that be stigmatized, right? Mm-hmm. These are all gross things. And to suggest you can sanitize or sanctify brutally murdering someone is the disgusting idea. But yeah, they're very upset that it's stigmatized, but I think it absolutely should be. Yeah, you, you have to forget what it actually is, what's happening in order to take away the stigma from it. Right, you, you just you cannot put a pretty bow on this, right? You can't make yeah. it look pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was... That's, I'm sorry, well, so on the point that abortion mm-hmm. stigmatizes itself. We're not yeah. adding any stigma onto it. Right. By, yeah. That's what Greg Cunningham right. says, right? When abortion is seen, it protests itself. We're not saying making it any uglier than it is. We are mm-hmm. merely allowing it to stigmatize itself. Yeah, and it's only natural. Yeah. Yeah. When I first interned with CBR, Greg Cunningham's organization, we read a book by Mark Crutcher, called Mm -hmm. Siege. And in that book, he talked about how it's a very good thing to keep the stigma around abortion. Because if people think that there's stigma around abortion, they will be less likely to do it. Nice. Very good thing. And we'll hit the show notes for more about CBR and also that Mm -hmm. book. We can drop that in there. Yeah, yeah. So Ethan, next time that someone tells you that we should not be trying to make it illegal because it's jeopardizing our goal, what are you going to tell them? I'm going to tell him I think that's really, really strange that making something illegal, like making abortion illegal is going to jeopardize our goal of saving babies. So by making it illegal to kill babies, we are going to jeopardize our goal of saving babies. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense with any other Holocaust we've ever seen in history. You know, making it wrong to kill Jews doesn't increase the number of Holocausts that have happened in the past. It just doesn't. So I think that's a really bad argument and doesn't hold water. Let them know that. I would agree. Well, that's all we have for you today. If you could please go leave us a five-star review, we would love that. We would love you even more than we already do. So please do. I know you want our love. Thank you so much for debriefing with us today. I am so ready for this. I can't even wait.